Welcome to the LifeSpring Church Podcast. May the Word of God be a blessing to you. Connect with us and consider giving online at lifespringchurch.us. There's two words in the Bible that we're going to, to look at a little bit today, one of them in depth. The words are praise and worship. You might know the difference between praise and worship. Praise is external, worship is internal. It goes right along that line. Yeah, I think that helps. So praise is kind of a uh, a response to God for what He has done for us. We praise God for His Bible says His excellent greatness. Because he does great things in our lives. God kept us safe this week. We should praise him. God provided for our family this week. We should praise him. God sends healing into our home. We should praise him. Whatever it is that God does for us, we should praise him for what he does. Worship is because of who he is. It doesn't matter what he's done or hasn't done. It's just the simple fact of who he is I will worship him. Because he is God, I will worship him. Because he is king of kings, I will worship him. Because he is the Lord of my life, I will worship him. The story goes that a member of the British Parliament, whose name was Neil Martin, once was giving a tour to his constituents, guiding them through the House of Parliament. During the course of the visit, the group happened to run into Lord Helsman, and the Lord Chancellor happened to be wearing all the regalia related to his office. The Lord Helsman, recognizing Martin, called out to him down the hallway, Neil! Not daring to question or to be disobedient to the Lord, all of the visitors who were following Neil Martin immediately fell to their knees in reverence and respect. Today we're going to look at the reason we worship. The reason we worship. I hope there's not a misunderstanding in our hearts and our spirits or our minds when it comes to God. There are definite reasons that we worship. If the basis or the definition of worship is we worship who he is, then our reason for worshiping him is based upon our identity of God, our understanding of who God is. So let's dig into this idea a little bit today. Let's go to the book of John, chapter 12. We're going to start at verse 12. John 12 and 12. The next day, a great multitude that had come to the feast, when they heard that Jesus was come to Jerusalem, took branches of palm trees and went out to meet him and cried, Hosanna! Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord, the King of Israel. Then Jesus, when he had found the young donkey, said on it, as it is written, Fear not, daughter of Zion, behold, Your king is coming, sitting on a donkey's colt. 
You could be seated this morning. Thank you for reverencing the word of God today. <clears throat> Jesus is traveling and he understands that this trip back to Jerusalem will be his, his last trip to Jerusalem. On the journey back that towards Jerusalem, he's, he's doing miracles, he's teaching, he's, he's preparing his disciples for his departure. And he's chosen this particular time for, for his death, his burial, his resurrection, because it coincides with the prophetic of the Old Testament. If you understand the feasts of the Old Testament, you understand the feast of Passover was the remembrance of their deliverance from the Egyptian bondage. And it was the feast of Passover that they were going to Jerusalem to celebrate. Jesus was coming with all of his disciples to gather together to celebrate this feast. He had even sent disciples ahead of time. Hey, go get a room for us and, and have it prepared so that we can meet together to observe Passover. He had instructed his disciples, go to this certain house and you will find the, a donkey and its colt and bring those to me. And we learned here through the reading that he used the colt as his mode of transportation as he entered into Jerusalem just prior to Passover. This is before they've gathered in the upper room for what's notoriously been called the Last Supper where Jesus washes their feet and where they drink the cup and he breaks the bread where he dismisses Judas to go and betray him. Where Peter, with great passion, proclaims, nobody's going to kill you, I'll defend you to death. Before all of that happens, there were just before that, a few days prior, Jesus is here gathering together his disciples and he's making his grand entrance into Jerusalem. And as Jesus rounds the corner, he's coming out of the Mount of Olives, one of the uh, Gospels reads to us. He's making that journey from the Mount of Olives into Jerusalem. And as he's coming, the, the multitude begins to gather and the crowd begins to build and they realize this is Jesus Christ. And he's, he's coming to Jerusalem. And this is the one that has healed the sick. And this is the one that has raised the dead. This is the one who is king of kings. And, and they even hearken back to some of the old prophets. And this is Messiah who's come. They called him the king of Israel. They believed their deliverance had come. They believed their Savior had come. They cried out, Hosanna, O Savior. What an incredible day it would have been to be wrapped up in the multitude and, and feel the passion and, and feel the unity of the crowd and, and feel the excitement that was kind of just bolting through the, the people. For they had an anticipation that no longer were they going to be, or for not too much longer, were they going to be captives of Rome. For not much longer were they going to be under the heavy-handed rule of the Roman Empire. 
This man Jesus, who was Messiah, he had come to save them from the oppression of government. He had come to deliver them and set them free. He was the fulfillment of Moses who delivered the children of Israel from bondage back in Egypt. He has now come to deliver them from the bondage of Rome. Every prophecy that they looked back to it pointed towards Jesus. They seen him as the deliverer and the savior to them. They were going to lift him up to be king. They were going to set him on an earthly throne. They were going to crown him as the king of Israel. Some of them already had begun the process of taking palm branches. An act of servanthood to the king. Waving them at them, laying them before him. Even taking their cloaks off and laying them in the ground. So his animal and he didn't have to be encumbered by the dust of the earth. We're doing all of this to elevate Jesus so that he could meet their earthly expectation of deliverance. Did you know the reasons why we worship matter? You see, these people, these individuals seeing Jesus from the eyes of their oppression, they seen Jesus from the eyes of their physical need, and they missed him as the true Messiah, not just to save them from human trouble, but to save them from spiritual trouble. Oh, here are the people aligning the road, crying, Hosanna, Hosanna, Hosanna. That harkens back to another time in Scripture where it records the multitude or the crowd, not of people, but of angels, crying, Hosanna, blessed be the King. Blessed be the name of the Lord. Hosanna, he who comes in the name of the Lord. It's not Christmas, but that comes to us from the Christmas story. The shepherds are on the hillside, laying down their flocks to sleep. Night has fallen, and an angel appears and makes this declaration that a baby is going to be born and wrapped in swaddling clothes. And then a host of angels appear with them, and they begin to cry, Hosanna. But the reason why the angels cried Hosanna was much different than the reason why the people on the side of the road cried Hosanna. They both were worshiping Jesus Christ. They both were worshiping one called Messiah who had come to save them. But the angels realized he was coming to save souls and the people thought he was coming to save their government. The reason why we worship matters. You see, the people of Israel worshipped to elevate an earthly king to deliver them from Rome. They began to worship simply for their own benefit. They worshipped according to the vision that they had for their life. They worshipped for a king of Israel, but not for one to become the king of kings. They worshipped for one to sit upon a throne and to lord over them for their own prosperity's sake. But they didn't worship him as the Lord of the universe who had all sovereignty and right in their life. They worship him as a savior from the tribulation and the turmoil of life, but not as the savior of a soul. 
They worshipped him so that they could see the reinstatement of David's throne, but not to see the establishment of a heavenly kingdom. They worshipped him simply from earthly expectation. And I'm challenged today in my heart, and I hope that you would find this challenge true in you today, and you would allow this conviction to seep into your soul. Lord, let me not worship you simply from my own earthly expectation. Let my reason to worship you be be. Be beyond myself. Let it be bigger than who I am. Let my worship for you be godly in its purpose. Let my reason for worshiping you be about a heavenly kingdom. Let my reason for worshiping you be about spiritual things and spiritual matters. If our worship is simply grounded in earthly expectations, we would fall prey just as the people of Jerusalem did and all of those who would gather for Passover. There is no doubt that as the multitude gathered and they elevated Jesus as King, as Messiah, as Savior, it wasn't just a few days later that some of those same people using those same voices comprised the mob that stood outside the palace and with the same vocal cords that just a few days earlier had cried, Oh, Savior, they were now screaming, Oh, crucify him. Oh, crucify him. Why? Because their worship was only grounded in an earthly expectation. And when our earthly expectation isn't met, then we're done with Christ. We have to be careful. We have to be aware that Jesus is not just the candy man come to make our life better. Jesus Christ isn't here to serve us, but we are here to serve him. Jesus Christ did not come to make my life a life of ease and a life of pleasure. Jesus Christ didn't come to remove my trial or to remove my tribulation, but he came to give me strength to make it through. He came to give me encouragement to keep on fighting the good fight. He came to give me an expectation that when this life is over, there is a better life to obtain. The reason we worship God is bigger than who I am or who you are. The reason we worship God is beyond our expectation. It's beyond even our capacity to dream or to vision. If our worship is simply limited to our own capacities or our own vision, can I ask maybe a blunt question this morning? Are we even worshiping God? If the reason I worship is simply because I want to try and persuade God to do it my way, am I even really worshiping God? If we simply worship Him as one that we choose to fulfill our life vision, Are we trying to persuade God to get on my team so that I can drive the team to success? 
oh, we need an all-star on this team. We need someone that can swing the bat on this team. If I could persuade Jesus to get on my team, then we could win every game. Oh, we've got a sale to make, and, and man, I got, a, I got this grand vision of all that we can do in this life, and if I can get the best salesman on my team, if I can get Jesus on my sales team, we can sell it. He can sell to everybody. No, Jesus isn't looking to become a member of our team. He's looking for us to become a member of his team. Jesus isn't coming to subordinate his authority to us. For he said all power in heaven and earth is given unto him. He's asking us to come and be, and be part of his earthly kingdom which will turn his heavenly kingdom and then he will reign forever and his sovereignty will be what's done. His will is what will be accomplished. So it changes our perspective on worship. Because if I see him as my king and I see him as my Lord and I see him as God robed in flesh, if I see him as a savior, not just to save my flesh, but to save my soul, then, I re then my reason for worshiping him shifts from earthly expectations and now I begin to worship him in faith. I begin to worship him with godly expectation. I begin to worship him with heavenly expectation. And I can truly pray the prayer, Lord, not my will, but your will be done. I can truly pray the prayer, our Father which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come. Thy will be done. must be careful that the reason we worship isn't Lord I worship you that my will be done but the reason that I truly worship you is that I can be a part of your will being done when we see Jesus for who he is he's not just the prophet he's not just the miracle worker He's not just some man from Nazareth who built a following. He's not just, if I could use today's culture, he's not just a social media influencer. He's not just the best salesman on the team. He's not just the greatest content creator. No, he is Lord of Lords. He is the master of all. He is Savior. In the Hebrew, he is Elohim, which means uh, he is all of God. Uh, he is Jehovah. Uh, he is my Anani. Uh, he is my Abba Father. Uh, he is Yeshua. Uh, he is King. Uh, he is Lord. And he is Savior. Oh, Lord, let my will be surrendered and come become subordinate to your will, God. Let my worship for you be because of who you are and what you are and what you're doing. Praise God. Oh, it reminds me of the story of the lady. Jesus is teaching his disciples. And into the house comes a lady. She's bringing an alabaster box full of precious ointment. The Bible says she breaks the box. 
takes the ointment, pours it on the feet of Jesus. And the treasurer of the disciples' jaw hits the floor. Look at all that money you just dumped on the floor. We could have sold that. We could have sold all of that. We could have brought in money. Oh, oh, and we could have used it to help the poor. We could have used it to help the poor. That's what we would have done with that. Yeah, we could have. She doesn't realize all that's going on behind her. She doesn't get caught up in all the religious affair that's happening around her. She's focused on one thing. Worship. And she's not worshiping him because she has a list of to-dos that she needs him to perform. She's not worshiping him because she has some great need that she wants him to, 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 to work out or some miracle that she wants him to perform. She's worshiping for one reason, because he is Messiah, because he is God come to save humanity from their sin. She's worshiping for one reason, and she doesn't even fully understand the reason. But the anointing that she's placed upon his body is an anointing that they would place upon those who have been placed in the grave. She is anointing him for his resurrection. She is preparing him for his greatest victory. She is preparing him for his greatest triumph. No, his greatest triumph was not riding in to Jerusalem on a donkey and having people lay their coats and wave the palm branches. Oh, it may be titled the triumphant entry of Jesus in our Bible. It may be told in Sunday school as a story called the triumphant entry of Jesus. And we'll celebrate it next Sunday. But the greatest triumph of Jesus was on the third day when he rose from the grave when he came back having power over death hell and the grave when he rules and reigns forever as king of kings and lord of lords that's the greatest triumph of Jesus oh if I could worship him like she worshiped him just in the purity of who he is Oh, if I could worship him in faith. Maybe I've never experienced God in this area of my life, but I'm going to worship him in that area of my life anyway. Do you know, when we begin to worship with the right reason, or, or maybe we could say with the right perspective, it creates an internal war inside of us it causes a battle a struggle a war it's a war against the will of our own flesh it's a war against our own willingness to acknowledge and humble ourselves it's a war against my will and God's will in that moment The object of our worship is our own dreams, our own visions. When the object of our worship is an earthly expectation, it's easy to worship God. Because it's selfish worship. Well, I'm going to worship God, and I got the formula figured out. If I worship God, X, then 
God will perform Y and we'll get Z. And we think we've, we can turn our worship into a persuasive act against God. Look, God, I, I worshiped you on Sunday for 45 minutes. I think I need four or five blessings this week. Look, 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 I dedicated my, my mornings to you this week, and I've, I've been in devotion in, in, in times of worship to you, Lord, and, and I think you should send healing to my household, and we should not be sick, Lord. Lord, look, I've, I've given myself in devotion to you and, and in worship to you, Lord. I, I think you should provide for me a promotion on the job because I've been worshiping you. That's not how worship works. Those are... That's selfish worship. That's, that's worship for the wrong reason. That's worship with a, with a wrong motive. But what if God doesn't give me a promotion? Worship anyway. Because we worship him because of who he is, not because of what he's done. But what if there's sickness in my household? Worship him anyways. What if there's trouble and trial and tribulation and struggle going on in my family and I need a blessing from heaven? What if I need a miracle from heaven? Worship anyways, not for the miracle, but worship him because of who he is. He's a miracle worker, so worship him in faith whether you have your miracle or not. And when your miracle comes, you can praise him for being the miracle worker. But something happens. When the people of God will press through with faith, they'll, pass, they'll press on past our own human reasoning. They'll press on past our earthly expectations. We begin to worship God and we begin to seek to follow the, the will of God. That war starts up. Our flesh resists and pushes back. Can I give you a practical application? Maybe you've been in a church service before and you felt like the hand of God was moving in the service and, and maybe God wanted you to lift your hand and worship him and you're like, oh, that's weird I ain't doing that the Bible tells us to lift up hands in the sanctuary, praise him maybe people are clapping to the beat of the song or some of us are clapping not on the beat of the song but the Bible says to clap, didn't say to clap on the beat and so we're clapping as an act of, of worship to God. And maybe you say, man, I think I want to clap. And your flesh says, your hands will hurt. That's weird. Why would you clap? It's loud. What if you clap when nobody else is clapping and someone turns around and looks at you while you clap weird? This is what the flesh does. An internal war starts inside of us. The Bible says we should dance before the Lord. Everybody's flesh just will hold up, preacher. <laughs> the Bible says we should shout with a voice of victory. But that'll be loud. That's what shout means. We should look not to war against the flesh and, and let the flesh persuade us out of worshiping. 
But we should push beyond with faith saying, Lord, if you're calling me, if you're pulling at me, if you're instructing me, if you're guiding me, if you're teaching me, if you're training me, if you're wanting me to take a step of faith, I'm going to take that step, Lord. Oh, it was crazy for a woman who was weak in body, having an issue in her blood, to crawl on the ground and push this person aside and push that person aside. It was out of the norm. It was crazy and weird that she would just shove people out of the way and push her way through the crowd. But I wonder how many other people said, I wish I would have done that when she stood up healed. And made whole. The moment Jesus stopped and asked his disciples, who touched me? And then their human response said, really? There's a crowd of people just thronging all around us, Lord. We're all getting pushed and shoved and bumped and touched. He said, no, 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 no. Not that touch. Somebody touched me. And he turned around and there she is. And he speaks healing into her body. There's a lot of people who were bumping and pressing and touching. I said, man, I should have got on the ground and crawled if I knew I could have been healed. <laughs> what about the friends who grabbed their friend and took him to Jesus? And they showed up at the house and it was so full nobody could get in the front door. You couldn't even get in the window. It was crowded. And they decided, we didn't haul this guy over here for no reason. He's got to get in front of Jesus. They didn't bring him because they were simply looking for a prophet. They brought him because they had a faith and an expectation of one that was able to heal. And so they peeled the roof off of the guy's house. And Jesus said, take up your bed. And walk. I bet you there were some people standing around in the crowd when the dust began to fall and the straw began to come off the side of the house. What in the world are they doing? The guy who owned the house probably had an opinion about what was going on to his roof. <laughs> right? But I guarantee you, there were some people that were standing on the outside in the middle of the yard that never got to see Jesus, that when the man came out of the house carrying his bed, said, man, I wish I would have climbed on the roof and tore the roof off. It doesn't matter how crazy it was or how weird it seemed or how out of place or out of order it may have been. I wish I would have pushed myself beyond this internal war of my flesh that said, no, don't, stop, quit. And I would have let my faith say, yes, go, do it, push, achieve. What would happen if the reason for our worship became bigger than ourselves? What would happen if my reason for worship was bigger than me? But it was about the magnitude and the superiority and the beauty of who God is. What would happen if I pushed past my internal human resistance and I said I'm going to worship God anyway? What would happen if the reason we worship God was because of who he is? Let me give you a few reasons 
to worship God that are bigger than us. In Genesis chapter 1, verse 31, and Genesis 2 and 1, this is God's going through creation, right? Genesis 1 and 31, then God saw everything he had made, and indeed it was very good. Took a pause there. Did you know God made you? The Bible says everything that God made, indeed, it was very good. So God didn't mess up when he made you. God did good work when he made you. When he formed you, he did good, he did a good job. You're one of God's masterpieces. So the evening and the morning were the sixth day. Thus the heavens and earth and all the host of them were finished. Let me tell you one reason why you should worship God for who he is. It's because he's the creator of everything. He's the creator of everything. Everything that exists, exists because of his voice. You and I exist because of his hand. He should be worshipped because he is the almighty one. He is the high and exalted one. He is the one who has all power. I guess I was more excited about that. We should worship him because he is Jehovah. Jireh. Jehovah Jireh. This is a biblical word. It means God the provider. Can anybody testify that God's provided for you? Anybody ever been in a place where the, the out money's more than the in money? Who's been the provider? Our Lord's been the provider. Have you ever been in a place where you needed God to show up and, and do something and, and, and provide for your family and, and he shows up and provides for you? He's the provider. We praise him because of the times he's provided for us. But I worship him because he's a provider. That means if I'm in need of provision, I worship him even before he provides. He's Jehovah Rapha, God the healer. In my sickness, I can worship him because he's God the healer. In a weakened state, I can worship him because he is God the healer. Maybe he'll heal me, maybe he won't, but I can worship him anyway because he is God the healer. I'm talking about having a change in perspective on who God is. He's Jehovah Shalom. He's the God our peace. When we live in a world of chaos and turmoil and trial and trouble... It seems everywhere you would look, there's a new news report or a new voice speaking about trouble. Trouble's here. Trouble's there. Fighting here. Warring there. Well, that sounds like the end of the times. Wars and rumors of wars. Not just nation against nation, but people against people. Father against son. Sons against fathers. People warring here and warring there. And it seems like there's nowhere for peace. I'm going to tell you where you can find peace. God is our peace. And in the middle of our turmoil and in the middle of our struggle and in the middle of the chaos, I can worship him because he is God our peace. He is God shalom. He is Jehovah shalom. He is Jehovah Rahi. God our shepherd. 
Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He leadeth me beside the still waters. He is the one who'll grab hold of you and lead you through this life. Oh, but I feel like I'm without direction. I feel like I'm lost. I feel like there's no way that I should know in which I should walk. Let me tell you today, just begin to worship Jehovah Rahi. Just begin to worship Jesus Christ who has become our Jehovah. Begin to worship Him. And while it seems like there's no direction and it seems like there's no steel brook or steel waters for you to walk by, just worship Him anyways because He's your shepherd. He knows where you are. He's not left you. He's not abandoned you. If you have been separated from the flock, He's the good shepherd that will leave the ninety and nine and come find the one. You can worship Him no matter what. Just lift Him up and praise and worship Him for who He is. He is Jehovah Makadeshim, which means God, our sanctifier. He is the God who has called us out of a previous life. And put us into a new life. To sanctify something simply means to separate it. To bring it out and to, to set it apart for your good. I don't know. Maybe this is a weird example. But let's make an application of sanctification. Anybody have a favorite shirt you like to wear? You know where that shirt is at all times. You know if it's in the drawer or in the laundry. You know if it's in the washer or in the dryer. It's your favorite shirt. You wear it all the time. You've sanctified that shirt. You've set it aside. It's favored. God sanctified us. He's called us to be his people. We are a called out people. We're a royal priesthood. We're a chosen nation. We've been called out to him. We've been sanctified to him. We've been grafted into the vine of Jesus Christ. We are now a part of his. He is our sanctifier. Oh, I can worship him because he's the only one that can separate me from a past and put me into a new future. I can worship him because of his power to transform my life and to make it into something new and fresh all over again. I can worship him because he's the one that can pull me out and separate me unto himself. I'm coming to a close this morning. Let me ask you a few closing questions or remarks today. What is the reason we worship God? The reason I worship Him, I truly want it to be down deep inside. It's Lord, I want to worship you because of who you are. In the fullness of who you are, which means you're bigger than my understanding, you're greater than my comprehension. You're beyond my ability to understand. And because of that, I worship your magnitude of who you are, God. I worship you for your greatness. 
What would happen today if, if you and I began to worship God in faith? If we worshiped Him beyond the expectations of this life, but we worshiped Him because of who He is and an expectation of what He may or may not do in the future and what His ability is, but not based upon His action of His ability. What if we took our reasons for worshiping God, this pure motive, this purity of heart and reason for worshiping God, and if we mixed it with the passion and the excitement of Palm Sunday. You understand on Palm Sunday, these people were excited. These people were worked up. These people had zeal flowing through their body, if we could use a biblical word. Their passion was high. They left their job to get in the street and worship Jesus. They left the marketplace to get in the street and worship Jesus. They left the comforts of their homes and got into the street to worship Jesus. They left the social group that they were a part of to get in the middle of the action and began to worship Jesus. What would happen if God was allowed to call me from my places of comfort out in faith and out to a place where it's just my passion for who He is and my reason of knowing who He is and those things come together and I begin to worship God. It would be beautiful to worship Him as the Bible teaches and trains us to do. The Father seeketh such to worship Him. Who is He seeking? Those who will worship Him in spirit and in truth. What is the spirit? The spirit is the passion. Spirit is the zeal. The Spirit is the excitement. The Spirit is the giving of myself and energy and resources to worship the King of kings and the Lord of lords. And that is the truth of who He really is. You can stand with me this morning. God doesn't do the miraculous because we worship Him. But God is released to do the miraculous when we worship Him. God doesn't bless us because we worship Him. But we release something in the atmosphere that allows ourselves to receive the blessing of God when we worship Him. It's one of those things we see through the glass dimly. And maybe a day will come when we'll better understand it in the by and by. But I can only tell you from personal experience, when I began to worship Him as King and as Lord and as Savior, when I began to worship Him in faith, understanding He's bigger than me, His power is greater than mine, and His will is beyond my understanding, it unleashes something inside of my soul. It unleashes something inside of my spirit. It's this natural craving that begins to be fulfilled because my humanity is released and my spirit is reconnected to its creator. Here in just a minute, we're going to begin to sing this song as 
worship under the King of Kings. And I want to invite you, if you want to step out into the aisle, or maybe step down to the front, maybe move out of a place of comfort, maybe move out of a place of known expectations in your life, and just begin to worship Him because of who He is. Thank you for listening to the LifeSpring Church Podcast. Join us in person on Sundays at 11 a.m. Visit us online at lifespringchurch.us.